Yo, all right, let me, man, let's just, uh, just get this started. Hey, yeah, are you guys ready? Are you guys ready for the show? Um, you know, I'm just trying to do something a little bit different, you know? I'm just, um, I'm going to, I'm going to review Drake's care package. It is what it is. All right, why do I have Big Sean on? Because that's the kind of fucking mood I'm in right now. So, hey, you better respect it. You better motherfucking respect it, yeah? Alright. Um, no, welcome, welcome to the uh, interlude reviews uh, with your host, Naoto Wakabayashi. And today, today is a glorious day because this is when I review uh, my first project. It's, um, I'm reviewing Care Package by Drake. So... I mean, I'm sure y'all have heard about this project already, and if you've been living under a rock, then I guess I'm going to have to explain it to you. So basically, this project uh, came out last Friday, and it's basically a, a collection of songs that Drake has dropped over the years um, on various platforms, uh, such as SoundCloud, YouTube, even Mediafire. I think that's what the... Um, file sharing site is called, but I mean, these songs, he released them throughout various eras of his career, um, you know, and oftentimes they were used as promotional tools, such as uh, the Take Care Drops pre-album release. So that's when he released uh, Dreams Money Can Buy, Club Paradise, Free Spirit, um, I think those are about it. I was about to say just to name a few, but those might be all of them. So he basically did this throughout the years. Um, fans have adored these songs and just, um, I mean, you can even look up the songs on YouTube and just those nostalgic ass comments that people put on there and just the amount of views that these supposed free songs have uh produced so basically drake decided to take all these songs put them onto a project and officially release them for streaming services um, because most of these songs didn't have uh weren't available on streaming services except for some of the bonus tracks like the motion and uh my side um so basically throughout drake's you know, storied career. He sort of made a name for himself as this guy that can um, rap and sing, and has included, uh, you know, very like contemporary R and B elements um, around 2010-09, um, which a lot of artists weren't doing during that era. I mean, Drake does cite. 808s and heartbreak as an inspiration toward um for so far gone but what he did um beyond some of the sound and you know um in terms of just him rapping and singing that really really changed the game um and yeah through, throughout the years you know he could have I mean, I guess around 2009, 2010, he could have been a flash in the pan, but time and time again, he proves that um, he can still 
dominate the charts. And he's been going for about, I mean, exactly 10 years strong now. Um, Actually, over 10 years strong because So Far Gone was around the time... um, So Far Gone probably marked the beginning of this uh, Drake era that we've been living in where he's arguably been a top um, three rapper of our generation. So that so so far gone dropped around February February '09. So his dominance, his reign has um, has I guess permeated all around soundscapes of the pop and hip hop uh, landscape, or I guess soundscapes. You know what I mean? And just he's dominated the charts. And if this album if this compilation project, this random collection of songs is an indication, um, his he's still the most dominant artist because look, even with his seasides, he's still able to go number one. He sold 120, he's sold 125,000, if I'm not mistaken, 125,000 copies, or at least, well, no, he didn't sell them, but he's projected to sell 125 copies, which I'm sure that's even more than Chance's debut, because I think Chance sold about 115, even though we know that realistically the big day really isn't his big debut. Um, I'm so sorry for that poor attempt at spitting a bar. Um, so yeah, no, where does where does it leave this project in terms of his overall discography? I mean, is it a random collection of songs? Is it um you know, are do these seasides really sound like seasides? And you know what? I'm here to say that this is Drake's second best album that he's ever put out. Ever. And I know how, um, I know that was a common Twitter take, and I wasn't aware that that was a take on Twitter. So it's not like I'm following the herd here. It's something that after just listening to this project through a couple times and taking in the sequencing, um, I was able to come to that assessment because I've listened to these songs hundreds of times. Most of these songs I've listened to hundreds of times. Probably seven out of, well, no, how many songs? Like, I would say 70%. I keep forgetting that there are 17 songs on this thing. For some reason, it feels like a 12-song project. And even in this, he Drake decides to release long-ass projects, um, which which is crazy, which is crazy. So, Yeah, no, I'm I'm willing to die on that sword at this time. And I'll explain why this is the second greatest Drake project for me. So let's let's start with the overall sound. Um of course this project, the oldest song probably came out uh well no, the oldest song was uh I Get Lonely. And that song came out in 09. And the latest song that came out was 4 p.m. in Calabasas. And that song came out, uh, that song came out 2016. 
So this is a seven-year span of music. So of course you're going to get a variance in the type, the, his proficiency in rapping and his singing ability, and even just and more, even more, uh, even noticeably, '40s production. Um, yet all of it, all of it sounds amazing. And it has aged really well. I mean, of course, this can be attributed to nostalgia, but, and of course, certain references and styles and even production's a little bit outdated. But there's something about this music here that feels timeless. Paris Morton music came out in 2010. And one of, 40s earliest production uh, works. That intro and outro is still beautiful and it fits that brilliant um, Justice League instrumental uh, that was initially uh, created for Rick Ross. And it does, you could definitely feel that because of how grand grandiose and just uh, majestic and full and cinematic everything feels yet 40 as a one-man band he's able to you know like like a like a soundtrack um composer of the 80s he's able to use a uh, synth and an electronic keyboard in order to create such an equally grandiose intro and outro. And even the rapping. The rapping, he exemplifies that how elite uh, Drake is as a rapper. Um, if we take a look at um, certain lyrics of Club Paradise and draft day and 5 a.m. in Toronto and just his writing ability and just the way he's able to piece uh, piece and craft his verses together, that right there is timeless. And it's going to be, like Drake is honestly one of those figureheads that he does, he does get his flowers, but I do feel like people try to disrespect him. And man, it, it makes me sound like I, I'm a mad like dick rider right now for Drake's music. I can promise you I'm not. Well, all right. So pause. I am a fan of Drake, hands down. I'm a fan, fan of Drake, definitely. But with that being said, I can acknowledge some of his flaws and... Um, and like I said, his singing, his singing is never that great to me. But there's something super endearing and just relatable and catchy about it all. And I'm going to explore that in the later sections here. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he just, everything just, 40s production, you can tell over the years that 40s production has changed over the years, but why Drake is able to create such high um, quality output with him throughout the years is because 40 has tapped into the kind of sound that 
can get Drake writing and, and him inspired. And these sounds typically include airy and just um, nostalgic, almost feeling beats um, that that really puts you in a different kind of uh, reminiscent kind of headspace. With that being said, it doesn't hearken on the past. It's very airy and um, it's very airy still. So it can sort of inspire you to think about the future as well. And I think that's the brilliant of the production in conjunction with the composition of uh, and Drake's performance. It All these elements sort of allow the music to really connect with the listener. So you get you get some brilliant, brilliant songs on here. Um, when I saw the track listing the day of, I was more than ecstatic because Club Paradise is on there. And Club Paradise is, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but it is my favorite Drake song of all time. Probably it's in my top 10 favorite songs of all time. Um, I've listened to this song over 200 times on my iTunes right here. It says 170, um, after I got Apple music and wasn't syncing music anymore, it stopped counting. So I'm sure it's in the 250 range. I mean, alone over the past weekend, I probably listened to club paradise about 50 times. So this song, this song to me is brilliant because it comes in three parts, um, and if you if you tell somebody that they can only uh, listen to one Drake's, if if somebody asks you, show me one Drake song that sort of sums him up as an artist and what he's about, I'll just show him Club Paradise because or her Club Paradise, um, because not only the content is. All three parts of the content are what Drake has realistically never really strayed away from throughout his career. Um, he the production is also classic, classic forty. And even though I do say that, like the three verses are the three general themes that he uh, goes into, I just find that all three are very, very introspective and explorative um, in terms of his own psyche. And this, to me, is sort of just like that, uh, uh, you know, that Kanye song with the lead singer from Coldplay, the one I forgot what it was called, but that song about uh, Chicago. Before, um, what I found so beautiful about this song is that it's essentially at its core it can be an ode to Toronto as well i just maybe he just uh this was before you know toronto was uh defined in a sense culturally defined because before then i do find uh I noticed that Toronto was, and still, I mean, true now, but 
during be, uh, around this time and before then, Toronto is such a huge amalgamation of different cultures and uh, people. But I think now Toronto, uh, Torontonians and just the general city have been able to forge and craft an identity around the, if you're reading this, it's too late era. Um, after the six started becoming, uh, you know, integrated into the vernacular and slang of that city. And then from then on, um, or I guess, no, I can't really necessarily say, well, yeah, I was about to say, and then afterwards, a Jamaican, um, influence started you know, permeate, but I guess, no, that, no, it happened, it happened before then as well. Um, I remember, I remember going to uni and there are a ton of like, it was weird. There were like a lot of white kids that also knew, um, Jamaican slang and I've never heard of this slang before. And to me coming from Vancouver, it sound different. It sound funny, but distinct. Um, so, I can't say that it happened after. It was definitely prominent before, but I think it got brought out to the mainstream culture. Um, you know, after, if you're reading this, it's too late. Um, so that's, that's Club Paradise. To me, another breakout is, you know, Free Spirit and Rick Ross's... Um, verse but then also drake going into a double time in his second verse as well i mean although the the uh content of that song is a little bit corny having someone you know tattoo themselves tattoo your name onto themselves um there's something like i said really endearing about its corniness and you know, I, I am getting positive feelings of nostalgia as well because it's such a, you know, I, I did grow up with it um, in high school. And of course, uh, you know, on this project, he put out Days in the East, which is essentially an ode to Rihanna. Um, I mean, this is very, very evident. He samples... Uh, before he goes into the extremely, uh, you know, reflective second verse, or I guess, yeah, second verse uh, during the breakdown, the sample, um, I'll, I put my hands in the air to show you something. I think that's, I think that's what the line was. Um and show you something, not to show you something, and show you something. So that's off of Rihanna's Stay, which came out in 2012. This song came out in 2014. Um, so that was that that was a line in Stay, and then he starts uh, going on and talking about a muse and, you know, um, having tea with Erica Badu and how Erica told Drake that um, with real love, you just know, and then it, and then he immediately quips, and I was thinking about you. You already know. Um, so that song is beautiful. 
that instrumental, uh, what Party Next Door did, it kind of sounds alive in a really weird, like, robotic way, way. It sounds like a robotic whale breathing, if that makes sense. Like, the, the instrumentation and the pulse of it feels very much alive. Um, and it's just waning and going in and out. But what 40 does to that instrumental um, for that breakdown is just amazing. He's, he slows the BPMs of uh, the synths down, well, just everything down. And I'm pretty sure he reversed the drums, if I'm not mistaken. There's something in the background that's reversed, um, like a reverse sample or a, a reversed... Uh, sound of some sort that's just looping in and out and it it really gives uh drake a lot of space to spill out his feelings it's fucking amazing so those to me are some of my favorite songs and you know you have all these different types of songs songs where he's rapping i mean i haven't talked about 4 p.m. in Calabasas, 5 a.m. in Toronto, but you also have songs like I Get Lonely, My Side, Trust Issues, uh, very, you know, simpy-ass songs where he's just, uh, um, you know, get, getting you in your feelings and having you think, think about that uh, one crush you had in the ninth grade and, you know, it'll get you thinking like, damn, I wonder how she's doing. Let me just uh, hit her up. Um, so he has those songs, but then he has songs where he's rapping, songs where he's, um, you know, just barring out and just being generally braggadocious, but then he has those introspective rapping songs where he's just analyzing himself internally and he's just spitting bars on there that can easily be served as Instagram captions. And I'm sure they've been Instagram captions a million times now at this point. But I say all that to say, even with all these different songs from different eras, the sequencing. The sequencing is fucking awesome. I, you know, yes, this is a collection of mostly random songs, but I was surprised with how each song went into the other. And sure, thematically at times and um, just in terms of the sound of that era don't necessarily match perfectly. I found that the sequencing was very well thought out. And as one song goes into the other, I wasn't protesting. And maybe that can do with the nature of the way that I listen to a lot of these songs, which was in a very uh, separated um, fashion. And sometimes it would go into a playlist with uh, no sequencing at all, like no thought, because I was just going to put it on shuffle. And I'm sure you could do the same with this project. But I, I just... I just really appreciate the way that um, this song was all, uh, sorry, this album was all put together and, uh, and sequenced, you know? Um, I guess another, another thing here uh, to note is, uh, are the differences 
between the original releases and the streaming releases? Well, certain aspects of um, the mixing are slightly modified, such as um, I'm pretty sure the uh, hi-hats in uh, Days in the East are a bit louder. Um and the then the original mix and uh, this version of Days in the East everything just certain parts feel louder and you'll you'll find that's the case to sort of just um, you know sort of fit in with the aesthetic of uh, today's sound. Certain samples are taken out, like Bob Marley talking at the end of Club Paradise, for example. I'm sure they couldn't clear that. Man, I, I mean, I must, I can't think, I mean, I'd imagine that uh, the whole OVO camp has some pretty incredible lawyers um, in order to, uh, you know, argue certain royalty and publishing rates um for some for some of these samples because i can't imagine a lauren sample comes cheap i can't imagine a rihanna sample comes cheap i think i think that bob marley sample though that that must that must that's pretty that's probably pretty telling about how uh strict that estate is um in terms of when it comes to sampling and the rights to Bob Marley's uh, music. Uh, another thing that got cut out was uh, J. Cole's line, something about um, uh, calling, calling basically all of his, uh, the, basically the rest of the competition, autistic, retarded. Uh, I think it, it was a kind of weird line. And also he probably put it in there uh, because of the internal rhymes as well. So, I mean, that was just removed outright, which, which makes sense because J. Cole did have to apologize for that line. Um, shortly after that song came out and I think an aut, uh, like an autism, um, uh, activist group. I think that's what you call that. Yeah. An autism activist group. Actually, let me see. Uh, no, I won't look it up, but yeah, after after uh, there was outrage with that group and amongst other people as well, he quickly apologized. Uh, but I mean, they didn't re-release the song because that song was just free for download, basically. Like they weren't just gonna re-release it again. It's not like they were at that point um, putting it onto an album like in Karate Chop and now this song, I guess. So now now they're putting in an album. So now they're taking it out. Um, you also have another song which didn't really see an official release, um, which was Can I? Uh, I do somewhere on this computer have a file labeled uh, the like quality HQ, high, high HQ um, MP3 or something on here. And it does sound pretty good, but you know what? I'm glad that we got an actual uh, release from it. Uh, I think I think this song played on OVO Sound Radio. Same with 4PM and Calabasas as well. So basically, 
to me, all these songs are awesome. I, I really love the music here. It really, all of these songs bring me back to a certain time and certain place and certain heartbreaks. I mean, man, like even with, even with breakups now, I still listen to Days in the East. And that, I mean, that song alone probably has seven or eight muses um, that I can, you know, that I've, that I've associated with that song. So shouts out to all of y'all. I hope you guys are doing well out here, you know. I'm not a hater, you know what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all of this, of course, this is coming from a pretty big Drake fan. So, th of course, the nostalgia is going to be strong. Um, it's going to be there no matter what. I don't think I'll be able to listen to this album objectively. Um, but honestly, I, even with that being said, if you're not a Drake fan and you want to check out some of his best work, I would highly recommend listening to this uh, project. To me, his C-sides are better than his B-sides. Arguably a good number of his A-sides as well. Um, so with that being said, I give this project uh, 10 cabinets out of... Um, for PS4 controllers. No. Um, I give this project an 8.8. .8. Yeah, I'll, I'll hover around that score. I mean, I'm going to try figuring out a scoring system at some point. But let me know what you think about this project. Um, if you guys liked it, if you guys hated it. I don't want to do an Anthony Fantano type outro. Fuck that. I hope this didn't come off too Anthony Fantano-ish. I try to stay away from that. I mean, it's more in the traditional uh, podcasting format that I'd go with, but slightly more focused. Slightly more focused. Um, no, no, seriously. Hit me up. Um, I want to hear all the conversation around this album um, and around this project. So, yeah, no, feel free. Feel free to give me all your thoughts. Um, yeah. This is a lot of fun, guys. I want to do this again. So be on the lookout. I'm going to review uh, YBN Corday's The Lost Boy. Um, I'll probably review... Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, God, Benny the Butcher's... Fuck, I'm so sorry. Benny the Butcher's last project that came out. It's not Tana Talk 3. Uh, it's... Uh, shit i should know this but you know the 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 album with the picture of scarface um let me see this is gonna kill me the plugs i met i mean it's a it's a seven song project closer to a ep but you know i'll treat it like it's an album because it's fucking amazing and i'd highly recommend it and i, I guess i'll review bandana as well i love that project too I was going to review The Big Day, um, but I feel like a lot of people have, or, have already have their opinions set on that project, and my opinion is sort of in the other direction where I did enjoy it. I just thought it was a bit too long. Um, I will admit, though, that it is his weakest project, but I still enjoyed it, and I still love the fucking Ari Lennox song. Shouts out to Ari. Check out her fucking Colors episode. Um, check out... Oh, the uh, Sudan Colors episodes, if you haven't already. Um, shouts out to y'all. And yeah, enjoy. Enjoy all this amazing music that has come out so far. 
Love you all. Take care.